0: Hey guys, I asked my dad to teach on the basics of eschatology, which is the study of the last day. So here is Vern Nesbitt sharing a bit of personal testimony and church history, as well as a challenge to dive into the book of Revelation with the purpose of seeing Jesus. I hope you're blessed.
1: So let me just start out this way, if I may. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. I want to get kind of the lay of the land. Um... How many of you, let's say on a scale of intensely interested or, yeah, I've heard about the book of Revelation, but I haven't paid too much attention to it. Uh, let's call that a one. Let's call intensely interested in the book of Revelation a 10. How would you place yourself right now? I'm not going to ask for hands or anything, but just ask yourself, where does that book of Revelation come and your understanding? Has it meant anything to you? Has it spoken to you in any way? Have you heard messages about it? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Or have you read in it? Mm -hmm. That there's a, a world of difference. There's a world of difference between simply reading a passage in the book of Revelation and reading the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And that came home to me personally in just a a powerful, powerful way. When Diane and I were first married, we didn't even have our firstborn Carolyn yet. We lived in Chandler where I had a a little country church, my first pastorate. And uh, we went to see your mama, Mama Kenley. In Phoenix, Arizona. Back in those days, we didn't have air conditioning in the cars, believe it or not. There was a day like that. So we drove across the valley to get to Mama Kenley's and we spent the day with her. uh, And it was still very hot, like it can be in Phoenix in the evenings. (laughs) And so Mama Kenley said, Why don't you just stay the night here and uh, leave early in the morning so you can? go when it's fairly cool to get back to Chandler. And we Mm -hmm. said, well, that's a great idea. And so uh, we finally went to bed, said good night, went to bed. uh, And I tossed and turned and I couldn't go to sleep. And it was just really kind of hot and muggy. And finally I went to sleep. And all of a sudden I woke up kind of like in a startled way. And I thought, I wonder if everything's okay. And so... I got up and I put my clothes on and I walked outside to look around, see if everything was okay because I had this kind of beating heart. And so I thought, well, uh, I'm kind of startled now. And I'm kind of got uh, a lot of um, Adrenaline. adrenaline. And so I think I'll take a walk. So I walked down to the city park in Glendale, beautiful city park. And I was walking around the park in the middle of the night And all of a sudden, coming in the opposite direction, is a guy named Ed Berger, who was a fellow seminarian. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth is Ed Berger doing here in the middle of the night, walking around in Glendale? And then it dawned on me, that's probably what he's thinking about, (laughs) what's Vern Nesbitt doing here in the middle of the night, walking around Glendale? And so we greeted each other and, and hadn't seen each other in a year or two, and so we greeted each other and all of a sudden I looked up and the moon was red, just absolutely red. And I looked at Ed and I said, Ed, you know what that means, don't you? And he said, yeah, the Lord's coming. So I said, I gotta go back and tell Diane. So I ran back to Mama Kenley's house and in the driveway blocking my car, uh, 55 Chevy, by the by. You should never have sold that. <laughs> so blocking my car was another car, and back in those days, believe it or not, they didn't have um what do you call the emergency signals
2: mm-hmm. flash uh,
1: Yeah, were there, both lights are flashing at the same time, so these red lights in, in the and the tail fin of this car were flashing like this. And I'm thinking, who's that car belong to? And back in those days, <laughs> a lot of back in those days, the registration used to be on the steering wheel post. Uh, a couple little springs would hold it. And so I thought, I wonder who this car belongs to. Blocking my car. I opened up the door and I looked at the registration and it said, Jesus Christ. And I thought, am I dreaming? What's going on here? Everything belongs to Jesus. So I went inside. I woke up Diane, and I said, Honey, the Lord is coming. The Lord's coming. And she said, Well, I, I know he's coming. And I said, No, no. I mean, he's coming. Look, there's a car outside, and it belongs to Jesus. And, and, and it's blocking my car. And you got to see this. So she got on her whatever, and we went out to the driveway, and there was the car, and I said, man, we need to pray, and so we got down on our knees, and we prayed, and Lord, uh, purify our hearts, and make us ready for your coming, and and as we're there on my knees, I'm saying, man alive, I'm just so tired, I'm, man, and, uh, and I said, I'm afraid I'm going to go to sleep, and Diane said to me, Honey, it's okay if you go to sleep physically. We're talking about being sleepy spiritually. We don't want to be sleepy spiritually. But it's okay if if you're that tired. So I laid down. She laid down next to me, went back to sleep. In the morning, I woke up, and I said, Honey, honey, what do you think about what happened last night? She said, What happened last night? And I said, Well the Lord's coming and there's a car in the driveway and the and, 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 and moon's turning blood red and so on. And she said, uh, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, this is the very first and last real vision I've ever had. It wasn't a dream. It was a vision. And that drove me, guess where, into what book? <laughs> the book of Revelation all of a sudden it had completely different essence to it because it became intimate. It became personal that the Lord was coming. So I dove into the Word of God. And what Chris uh, alluded to is everybody that I knew in ministry, everybody that had gone to Bible college, everybody that had gone to seminary, had come to an eschatological viewpoint called pre-tribulation dispensation. And it means just what it says. It means the confidence that Jesus Christ is going to come back before any of us go through any kind of tribulation. So when you pick up the book of Revelation, you see all of these markers and it's seven scrolls and then it's seven trumpets and then it's seven bowls of wrath and chronologically speaking if you go through all those things it's just full of tribulation is it not and by the time you get to the seven bowls of wrath it's horrendous it's absolutely horrendous it's the wrath of god on the face of this earth Have any of you ever had an anger problem? (laughs) Okay. Have you ever experienced somebody's wrath? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about this. God's wrath. So the last part of the book of Revelation is the seven bowls of God's wrath. But preceding that, just all kinds of terrible, terrible things take place. And so the teaching is, pre-trib dispensation, is that the church is never going to have to experience any kind of tribulation, that she's going to be raptured. Have you heard that word? She's going to be raptured before any tribulation takes place. And what Chris also alluded to is that that didn't start taking root in America until the 40s, 1940s. In church history, what preceded as far as the understanding of the body of Christ throughout history up until the 40s in America I'm talking about? was the was the conviction that there is going to be coming a person on the face of this earth called the antichrist and, and so because paul taught in his epistles that christians will see the antichrist that's what he taught the thought was well of course we're going to have to face some kind of tribulation If we're going to be under the rule of the Antichrist. And so this whole notion that took place in America, it started back in actually Scotland in the 1840s. But this whole notion that the church is going to be raptured before any kind of tribulation takes place was just absolutely foreign to the body of Christ throughout the centuries. And the, and the whole essence of the rapture was we are going to be facing some kind of tribulation, but the Lord is going to rapture us out of that tribulation. Not to avoid the tribulation, but to, as we experience some of this tribulation, the Lord, by his grace, is going to take us out of it. Now, Having said all that, I would like you to look at the first chapter of the book of Revelation, please. What we have done is we have focused on calendars, we have focused on prophetic events, Mm -hmm. and we have completely missed the first chapter, first verse. The first chapter, first verse reads this way in my translation that I have before me. Yours will be something just like it the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants what must soon take place. Now, you remember I told you that after I had this startling vision that I was driven into the word of God, and I had such a hard time studying it, and I'll tell you why. I would read a portion of scripture in the book of Revelation that had grabbed my attention and I'd read it over a couple times and then I'd go to my Greek text and then I'd read it in the Greek a couple times and then I'd go to word studies about certain words that were in that phrase and then I'd look at center column references in my, in my study Bible to see what other verses might be uh, underlined and underscored with reference to that verse and I, then I'd say, okay, I wonder what some of my commentators have to say. So I pick out a favorite commentator on the book of Revelation, open it up, and I read and I say, man, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, okay, got that. Then I'd go to another commentator, opened up the book, and I'd read it, and it almost contradicted what the first commentator said. And I said, who's right? I mean, there's so many opinions here. Is anybody right? And so for three years, (laughs) I went through this kind of frustration studying the book of Revelation. Have any of you experienced maybe a similar kind of experience? Mm -hmm. And one night, I had a job where I didn't have anything to do for the night. I was on duty. I was getting paid for it. But as the circumstances were, it was inventory and, and there was nothing for me to do. And the Lord put it upon my heart to read the book of Revelation after all this time of frustration. Now, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. This vision you gave me was so powerful. And I've been three years studying and, and I'm no further ahead in my really understanding the book of Revelation. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm frustrated. I said, Lord, what am I doing wrong? I have the privilege now of spending the night in this book. That's what you put upon my heart. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? Here's the answer he gave me. Number one, set aside all your commentaries. Number two, pray earnestly that the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. Mm -hmm. Number three, trust the Lord for a clean heart and mind through the shed blood of Jesus. Number four, to the best of your ability, lay down your prejudices and preconceived ideas. Number five, without pausing, read the entire revelation through from beginning to end. Don't consult any notes, center column references, anything else. While reading. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, as you read, understand this, this is the Lord speaking to me. As you read, understand this, you will probably never be able to fully grasp everything within these pages. On the other hand, read with the expectation that you will understand everything you need to know right now Mm -hmm. at this moment in your life and ministry. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Catch that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The likelihood that you're going to understand everything you read is not too great. (laughs) (laughs) But if you read with an expectation that the Holy Spirit is the author Mm -hmm. of this word, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: just as surely as Romans or Galatians or Mm -hmm. Acts or any other portion of the scripture, all right, that as you read, say, Lord, what do I need to know right now? Where I'm at, when this, where this open window is at, yeah. where this organic relationship with others is taking place. What do I need to know now? Just teach me. Yeah. And so I started reading, and I read it from beginning to end, and this is how the Lord spoke. To moi, this book is all about Jesus. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Greek can be taken two ways. Without any fudging, it's just the grammar. This is a revelation that Jesus Christ gave us. Or it can be read this way. This is a revelation Of who Jesus is, Mm. the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so as you read the book of Revelation, what came to me and you know all of a sudden all the calendarizing and all of the the charts and all that just kind of just kind of faded away with the realization that it's all about Jesus Christ. God wants us to know who Jesus is in a new way that we've never seen before. Amen. See, we've seen him in the Gospels, walking on the face of this earth. We've seen him in his resurrection and ascension, knowing he's going to come back again. But this is a whole new way of looking at Jesus Christ. He is our prophet. He is our priest. He is our coming king. And so the Lord wants to reveal that to his body. This is who Jesus is. Amen. And John fell at his feet as though he was dead. Yeah. And so as you read the book of Revelation, I'm going to just suggest to you that as you read the book of Revelation, pray just at least one thing. Holy Spirit, show me who Jesus is in a brand new, fresh way. And so here's what I'd like to um suggest to you, look at chapter four, verse one. How many of you are familiar with these couple of verses? And do you know why you may be familiar with them? It says, After this I looked and look in heaven and opened door. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me, like a trumpet sound, said Come up hither, John, and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and lo, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and a vague description of God is given, the one sitting on the throne. Well, the reason this has become such a familiar passage to many, many Christians is that this is where it has been taught that the rapture of the church takes place. As he goes into heaven, John stands for the church being raptured and going into heaven. So this is where the pre-tribulation dispensationalists say, this is where the church is raptured. Therefore, everything from that point on has got nothing to do with us, the church. We've already been raptured. Fourth chapter, first verse, that's it. Well, any problems with that? Any problems with that? Well, there's a host of problems with it. Number one, John has never declared or he's never pictured in all the Word of God as being representative of the church. Number two, they say, the pre say, There's no more mention of the church, the word church, throughout the rest of the book of Revelation. Well, that just kind of proves too much because all the way throughout the book of Revelation, there is a reference to believers all the way through. And you just have to read it to see. Uh, And so I'm just saying to you right now, just in brief, This is where the pre-tribbers believe the rapture takes place because they don't see it anyplace else. They don't see the rapture of the church anyplace else. All right. Now I'd like to have you look at outside of the book of Revelation because the best interpreter of the word of God is the word of God. I'd like you to look at 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter.
3: 51st
1: verse. Look, says Paul, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is a uh, common word for dying in the New Testament. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed. Changed. So when the Lord comes, Paul's saying, not Everybody is going to be dead already. We shall not all sleep, but nonetheless, we all shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When? At the last, At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So the Apostle Paul. Has given us now a very, very significant statement whereby we can understand the book of Revelation a little better. Mm -hmm. He says, At the last trumpet, what does that imply? The last trumpet? There's more than one. There's more than one. There's a series of trumpets. Where do you read about a series of trumpets? Revelation. The book of Revelation. How many trumpets in the book of Revelation? 7. I mean, catch this. It's just so beautiful. He says, we're all going to be changed. What does that imply? The rapture. Right? So what Paul is saying in clear, clear words, the only trumpets you read about that are the last trumpets are the last trumpets written in the book of Revelation in the last book of the Bible. (laughs) So it has to be the last, chronologically speaking or any other way. So that should be a clue to us where the rapture is going to take place. And I'm going to boil it down real quick because our time has just gotten away. So I want you to look at the 14th chapter of the book of Revelation. And I want you to come over to the 14th verse. John is speaking. Then I looked... And look, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like son of man, with a golden crown on his head, a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat upon the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat upon the cloud swung his sickle on the earth. And the earth was reaped. Now, do you remember what the angels said to these who were watching the Lord Jesus Christ ascend into the heavenlies? Um, How would he come again? In the clouds. In the clouds. Just kind of any clouds? What are we talking about? Clouds of glory. And what do we read in... Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. would you read it. This
2: is 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13. Yes. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these
1: words. Amen. Thank you, Tiffany. The Apostle Paul talks about the call of the angel. So here we have the call of the angel. Here we have the cloud. And so... Here we have a fascinating um, situation chronologically speaking. Why? Because this 14th chapter, 14th verse comes before the wrath of God. Hmm. The seven bowls of the wrath of God. (laughs) What else did Paul say? That we shall never see the wrath of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We'll never see the wrath. We may experience the wrath of man. Hmm. But we're never going to experience the wrath of God. Amen. So here we have the blowing of the seven trumpets, and after the blowing of the seventh trumpet comes this fourteenth chapter, fourteenth verse, which precedes the pouring out of the wrath of God. Now, having said all that, guess what? I don't want to face any tribulation. I hurt too much as it is. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm way too old. To say that I may experience some kind of this biblical tribulation, I'm I'm not I'm not looking forward to that. But I would rather I would rather tell you folk that the Word of God proclaims that we may face tribulation, and I think that maybe it's already started. It certainly has in several nations. Yeah. I mean, if you would tell a Chinese Christian that they're never going to go through tribulation, they'd laugh in your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've talked to some of them. So I'd rather teach this and be wrong mm-hmm. than have Christians unprepared.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Have Christians simply assume, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about any of this Antichrist or anything like that. You know, I'm going to be raptured and so on. Okay, you know, I i I'd, I'd love to believe that. As Chris said a couple years ago, you'd go down on the pier, you know, 80% of people would have a, a particular reaction of, yes, I'm fine. People are not fine right now.
0: Yeah.
1: They're not fine right now. I mean, Diane and I talk to people at the beach walk all the time. We're not fine. They welcome prayer. Uh, they, they welcome hearing something that they've never heard before, Because, okay, can I put it to you this way? I was born in 1936. I remember World War II. I remember the conclusion of World War II. I remember Nazism. But I've never experienced anything like this. Never. Mandates taking place where everybody complies. Well, whatever your view on that is, it is a precursor to universal mandates and everybody needing to comply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we may be in that congruently, that open space and truly experiencing all of these signs mm-hmm. that we're truly entering into the last of the last days. So, if you have any questions or, yes, huh?
3: Uh, as you were speaking, I was, I opened up, I, I didn't even know, I've read 1 Thessalonians, but I didn't really mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Um, that this is where I was going to find more about the rapture. Mm-hmm. And um, so I felt spirit led. And you just read chapter 4, and I was reading in chapter 5. Yeah. And, and what really stood out is, well, people are saying peace and safety. Mm-hmm um destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman mm-hmm. and I'm like wow isn't that exactly what is being said right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and it, it just it just like we're talking this could be the end times this might mm-hmm. and of course everyone, has thought that, mm-hmm. but how do we experience a time where people are going, no, no, peace, let's be peaceful about being saved, mm-hmm. and let's bring everybody, it just, it just, it hit me like this is exactly wow. what is said here, is what we are hearing broadcast to us 24 hours a day, yeah. right. seven days a week, that's yeah. right, yeah, that's good, and it just, and then one, and okay, so we worry about the labor pains and the destruction, but immediately following that is, let us be alert and self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. Mm-hmm. So, And that we are Amen. together. So that we are even mm-hmm. in this destruction and this worry that, oh, it's right now, so be afraid. No, mm-hmm. don't even. Mm-hmm. He has a plan for us. Mm-hmm. And He has a way for us to get through and He is yeah. with us. Yeah. So it just summed it all up. And it's just yeah. spirit led to say, look right here, we Amen. have a message Amen. for you. And maybe it's for me, but I feel like it's for all of yeah. us because... <laughs> It's immediately about what we're hearing all the time and how we're supposed to come at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Self-control and in fellowship and with this faith that's just wonderful. And there's many places in Revelation um,
1: where it's this yeah, there's all this chaos and
3: crazy stuff happens. And then there's this verse that says, Have the saints were faithful, yeah. so, I, want saints are faithful. I want to be found faithful. Amen. Yeah.
1: And just, just think about this. When John wrote this, what was he going through? Yeah. Incredible tribulation. And what was the Christian body of Christ going through? Mm-hmm. Persecution. Persecution. So this, this whole book is jesus really is in control and he will make it possible for you to endure precious christian brother and sister john would be saying yeah
0: yeah we have three centuries where the context is persecution and suffering wherein the new testament was crystallized if you will and that was their paradigm And because we've been living in a time of peace, it's easy for us to to draw conclusions from that and say, no, he's about our peace. Mm. And he is in our souls, but the promise of us not going through difficulties is never found. So, and not to have that be our point, and I think that we can even fellowship with and worship with and enjoy our Christian brothers and sisters who don't think this way, who have a different dispensation. For sure. For sure. It, well, the conclusion it should lead us to is, what you were talking about, Cindy, is that here we are, walking around as the light, carrying the hope in the midst of all this darkness. Yeah. yeah. That's the point. To me, that underscores why he wouldn't take us out of this. Because he's continually wanting to demonstrate hope to the hopeless. And we are how he demonstrates that. So right now, this is one of those plentiful harvest seasons. And people are desperate for hope. So this is an (laughs) all-hands-on-deck moment for us as believers to be the hope. To be the light.
2: The first time I heard dad teach this, it drove me into the word because my paradigm had been for so many years, pre-trib, 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 rapture, that, I mean, I had grown up in Christian school. I'd grown up in a Christian home. I had, you know, just been inundated in that. And so when I heard him teach this, I was like, oh, (laughs) and I started digging in, I started studying it, and it really it shifted my perspective from what I had always been taught. But that was good for me because, you know, I think sometimes we get so enmeshed in what we've always been taught, that looking at a different perspective is healthy for us because it drives us to the Word. It causes us to question, why do I believe what I believe? And is it really biblical or is it just what I've always been told? And that, for me, was a very healthy thing. And so I was really blessed by hearing what Dad had to teach. And when I heard him, he gave me his paper that he had written on it. It was a lot of detail and it was really, really good. And so I think for us, our takeaway this morning can be, in addition to what Chris said, Let's get into the word, let's look at these things, let's study for ourselves, let's understand what's happening right now so that we can have a solid understanding of who yeah. the Lord wants us to be in this hour and what's coming, so. Yeah. Dad, you want to close us?
1: Lord, remind us here, that very first moment that we knew that you saved us. That very first moment that we called out to you and experienced your presence in ways that overwhelmed us, caused us to realize how far away we were from you and how close we have come to you through your shed blood. Just remind us, Lord, about who you are as our savior and Lord. And then Lord, help us to have that desire back again mm-hmm. that first love back yes, again Jesus. in full fruition where okay. we are just so yes. in love with our Jesus. Savior and Messiah yes. mm-hmm. that it just shows mm-hmm. as people look at us it just shows
3: okay.
1: that we're just in love with you mm-hmm. thank you for saving us Lord, yes. Yes. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Lord no matter what eschatology is mm-hmm. out there. Thank you for saving us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're
2: so grateful Jesus.
1: And so, Lord, as, as we've taken this little dive into this last book, all revelation in one way or another, but, Lord, this last book, as we've taken a little closer look this morning, I pray that that very first verse would become... That which motivates us, if we're going to study the book of Revelation at all, Lord, that our motivation would be to see who you are mm-hmm. in new and fresh ways. Yes, our prophet, our high priest, mm-hmm. our coming king. Come, yeah. Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we long to see you face to face. We long to see you face to face, Lord. And so, Lord, thank you for making your presence known here in our midst. Lord, thank you, Lord, for... My brothers and sisters, Lord, thank you so much for my precious son and daughter-in-law. Lord, thank you so much for my precious helpmate, my wife. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you want to reveal yourself to us. Oh my goodness, what, what an awesome thought that the God of this universe wants to reveal yourself to us, that you want to reveal yourself to us. What amazing grace. Hallelujah, and so we bless you and we praise you in Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.